Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast Podcast, brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we've got Tuesday NBA here after that little five-game Christmas Day slate. Hope everybody had a great holidays. We are rolling along here with, what, we got nine games to choose from on Tuesday, so plenty to come back to here in the NBA this week. We've got best bets in this video. We also have another one up with Play of Props, so go ahead and like and subscribe to that page. Follow along all season with us. Also want you to head to thelines.com. Use that odds finder tool that we're using every day for these play of props and the like. Make sure you're getting the best juice available to you from all of these books that are giving us bets this season. Great day on Christmas for us. We had an early look ahead video there, Nate, and we had um, a bunch of things right in the best bets. 4-0, 2-0 in the play of props as Joel Embiid didn't go, and there's no way we would have taken Tyrese Maxey 31 and a half points against the Miami Heat in that one. Everything just sort of thrown out the window when Embiid doesn't play, but Feeling really good. We move along here on these best bets, like I said. So let's jump right into your first one here, Nate. Yeah, uh, Jazz only minus three and a half right now. It's been creeping up at San Antonio. Wemby questionable. Jazz have their guys back. Uh, I think that spread is too small. I mean, the Jazz were awful on the road, certainly to start the season. But this is a fantastic matchup against a team that is legitimately terrible and not even trying. Um, and, you know, we don't even know if Popovich is, is coaching at halftime basically because their second half numbers have been so embarrassingly bad that it's, it's just not even, it's not even funny. I mean, since they snuck out a win against the Lakers, negative 30 net rating in the second half uh, on the season, they have the second worst in the second half in general. And the jazz are, are playing well. I mean, just outscored, the Raptors by 20 in the fourth quarter in their last road game. That's a second straight road win for a team that just didn't even come to play on the road. But now we see Markkanen off the minutes limit, 28 points per game on fantastic shooting in his last two. Um, you know, they, they put up numbers despite Clarkson having a dud in his first game back at, at Cleveland. Then he goes for 30 off the bench. You got Sexton and Dunn now in the starting lineup, and that's a far more efficient, dependable unit. Then when you had Keontae George running your offense as a rookie, uh, I mean, Chris Dunn, 13 assists against the Raptors, very impressive. I mean, even the Jazz B team was able to beat the Spurs last time they faced them. I mean, THT dropping 41 with, like, nobody else playing offense in, in a late-season meeting the last time they got together. Like I said, the last four for the Spurs after that rare win, 127 defensive rating, negative 22 net, uh, you know, only getting 110 a game. Their, their second half numbers are terrible. The Jazz in their last four, 130 offensive rating in the second half, the best rebounding rate, the third fewest paint points allowed, uh, plus 20 net to go three and one down the stretch against some some much better teams than this. Um, and, and their biggest weakness is they're allowing points off turnovers and, and the Spurs don't force turnovers, especially if Wemby's out. I mean, their defense is, is just... A, a real sieve um i mean it, it, they're not they're not going to be forcing as many turnovers and they, they they've really fallen apart with him getting injured against the bulls and i think uh two or three games ago seems seems reasonable um i i do i keep coming back to this jazz team because they they do have a decent bench it is similar to how they were last year where it was like I don't know. There's still some NBA players on this team that can score. That was why I wasn't ready to jump on the train of them losing to Detroit and giving Detroit their first win of the season and <laughs> win of the season, basically first win of the season, third win of the season, first win in forever since like the Reagan administration. Uh, but yeah, the same concept here for, for the Spurs with, with the Jazz just being a better team. And I do think that they'll continue to, uh, to beat the teams that they are better than. So uh, let's go to another game that I, I, 
think it'll be good. But if you're a Houston fan, I think it'll be good. They're, they're taking on the Pacers at Houston, uh, minus two and a five, minus 2.5 for the Rockets on the spread there. And that's what I'll take here. Indiana's not good in these situations. I mean, they've played the West uh, pretty poorly so far this season, not good in, in non-conference games. Uh, they they are going a bit under uh, against these other teams as well, at least when they play on the road. They did go way over against the Clips at home recently, but when they played Memphis in Memphis, a 103-90 to game that Memphis won, and they also lost to Mini on the road recently, 109-91. Uh, to on the road, like I said, against these two teams, everybody playing. There's no Bruce Brown tonight as well, who does have the uh, the second-best on-off rating for this team in terms of offensive rating. He and uh, Tyrese are basically mirroring each other, almost the same exact minutes, basically the same on-off numbers, and, and that's what I mean by mirroring each other in terms of how important they are to this team and to this offense, especially. They both have a 124 on-court offensive rating. The Pacers have that when they're on the floor. When they're both, uh, when one of them is off the floor, it's a 114. It goes from a 114 defensive rating up to about a 121 defensive rating. So just even these two guys playing is so crucial in the midst of games, much less the entirety of a game like Bruce Brown's going to miss in this one. And then the matchup, uh, Houston, awesome at everything that they, that uh, at limiting everything that the Pacers want to do and just magnify that, multiply it when they play at home. That defense at home is number one in the league right now when they're in Houston. Uh, they have the best defensive rating at home. They have the they limit teams to the uh, fewest transition points per game wherever they are, and especially at home. Uh, they also limit teams to uh, the fewest points per game off of their turnovers at home and third on the road because they're not really – it's Ime Udoka. Like, take care of the ball, get back on defense. If you don't get back on defense, you will find yourself on the bench. Ask Jabari Smith, who's been doing a much better job as of late, and that's why his minutes are skyrocketing um, because he's finally rebounding and running back in transition and blocking shots, et cetera. So we'll talk about him in a bit. But um, they also allow uh, very few second-chance points, third fewest at home in the league because their defensive rebounding is much better at home as well. Um, and the, few, the free throw rate should be a pretty big dis uh, discrepancy here as well. Houston 10th in free throw attempt rate and Indy, as we know, just allows you to get to the free throw line at will. It's just a real procession line of people getting to the free throw uh, stripe against this uh, Indy team. And I think we'll continue to see Houston attacking, attacking, going into the paint. Um, we know that uh, they, they drive a lot at home. They actually have uh, a top five in terms of how often they're cutting to the basket, scoring off of drives, scoring off of cuts to the basket as well. Like their offense is very uh, fine tuned at home. It's not like the sexiest thing in the world because they still could use a lot of three point shooting, to be honest with you. That's where they're, they're low. But everywhere else in terms of getting to the bucket, I think they're going to have a good time doing that against this Pacers team. Yeah, you originally liked the under as much as you liked Houston in this, right? I mean, there is always that nice correlation that the Rockets, it's it's hard to imagine them yeah. winning a game that goes over 240, right? We're at like 237 here with the Pacers, and they've been shut down by these solid defenses on the road. Ime Odoka at plus 1400 for coach of the year um, as pretty good value. I mean... It depends if the if the voters have to give it to a team that's like in the top of the standings because right now, Wolves and Thunder are are getting the shortest odds in terms of their coach. But the biggest turnaround is certainly Udoka and what he's done immediately with this team. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think you need to be a top five seed in either conference to to really have a coach win this Coach of the Year award. We saw Tibbs do it last year with the uh, the Knicks as a five seed in there. And then, you know, as far as like where we're at in the odds this year, Tibbs was like 30 to one to win coach of the year at, in like January or maybe even February last year. He had ridiculous odds for some reason, um, not 31, but it got, it got down by like January, February, but it was still double digits, like 15, 18 to one in that area for a good portion of the, the 2023, the beginning of the year. So like, I do agree with you. I think you're getting ahead of a really good uh, opportunity because I don't think the Rockets are going away. 
Yeah, and my next pick here, <clears throat> Pelicans minus four and a half against the Grizz. It's revenge time. It is time to make some adjustments and stop John Morant from embarrassing you again. The Pelicans were dominating this first matchup. Uh, they were up 22 shortly before halftime, and then, yeah, we know what happened. Jod took over, and now the Grizzlies might be a little overpriced after just blowing up against the Pacers and Hawks, maybe the two worst defenses in the league. You might get Marcus Smart back, which I don't think helps your offense, uh, certainly not with him shaking off some rust here. Uh, but, I mean, this is more to me about what the Pelicans can do defensively and what they have done defensively against this team in general. Uh, their game log against the Grizz is pretty encouraging because, I mean, they won earlier this season with no jaw, obviously, <clears throat> but shut down the Grizz from three. 28% from three for them, out-rebounded them. They won their previous two at home against the Grizz. Ja missed one of those. They held, They still held the Grizz to 102 with Ja getting 36 in the previous meeting, and the Grizz shot just 26% from three. Um, the Grizz, you know, terrible assist-to-turnover ratio. Basically, every time they face this Pelicans defense, which is not really a coincidence. Memphis has the sixth-worst assist-to-turnover ratio on the road this season. Uh, and the second worst in their last three since they got Ja back. Uh, New Orleans set ninth best in that in that department at home. Also the fourth best three-point defense at home. So none of this is a fluke in terms of like, look, Ja might be able to get his going to the rim. Uh, he might get 30 again. But the rest of this Grizzlies offense is still a really sad state of affairs. Like, unless Jaron Jackson has a... a rare spike yeah. game, uh, which you don't necessarily see happening against a solid de defense. Like Bain's been all right against this team. I could see him getting shut down a little bit. I mean, with, with all the wing defense that the Pelicans can throw at them, uh, you know, the Pels in their last two beat Cleveland without Zion and then lost to Houston because a bunch uh, the, the two skilled bigs, right? Shangoon and Jabari go off. I, they still had a one twelve defensive rating in those last two. Clearly, piqued their interest, you know, turning it around after job beat them down the stretch in this matchup. Um, so I just think it's time for them to bounce back. If you don't like the spread uh, or if it creeps up too much, I would tease it with Orlando. They're minus seven at Washington. And we saw Orlando beat Washington by double digits twice. Like everything indicates Orlando has the edge in that matchup. Uh, yeah. But either way, I think I trust the Pels to win this game. Yeah, just to touch on the magic thing, I, I was looking at it. We were talking about it uh, earlier before we started recording, and neither of us went with it. But there's probably like a Paolo twenty plus points and the win for Miami for Miami for Orlando in there that you could really book because of how bad Washington is against power forwards. It's a scary thought when he had six points in their first matchup, but that was a different game. I can't even tell how many minutes he played. Not very many. Oh, Second game came back for twenty eight, right? And and that's that's where you score against this Washington team is from the power forward position from an athletic guy who wants to attack the rim, who's versatile like that. So definitely like uh, Paolo to get some points in there. It's 25 total if, if, as core line, but I agree with you on that game. In this game, I was looking at um, maybe Memphis to win again, but it was just blindly like, well, this just keep riding with Memphis. But you're right when you look at the way that that the um, the Pels had this game in hand and then Ja did Ja stuff in a sort of magical moment for him. Then they come back and have a home game. They weren't going to lose that first game at home with Ja when they beat the Pacers, and then they played a bad team in Atlanta, and I'm calling them a bad team uh, on the road. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that makes sense, that you would get a little bit more value here on them at four and a half than, than maybe they should be uh, favored uh, or, or at least even down by. But let me uh, close things out here uh, talking about the uh, Chicago Bulls and that awful Atlanta Hawks team and just take the Bulls minus one and a half. And – 
Mia culpa and sorry to anybody who's following me on social and, and took the Bulls uh, minus four and a half, minus five against the Cavs third stringers. Don't know how I was supposed to read that the Bulls were going to lose a random game after surging like that to a bunch of backups. Um, but that's the NBA. And it was a Saturday before everybody was going home for Christmas. So now we're back and the Bulls are back in business. Uh, they're very good against Trey Young and against point guards because Alex Caruso is very good against Trey Young and against point guards, which we've seen with him repeatedly throughout this uh, th- this matchup. And so the only time Trey's actually gone over 30 points when Caruso was in the game for the Bulls, it was in Atlanta. Um, and I believe also DJM was out in that game, DeJounte Murray. So that was a different scenario. I do think we're going to be able to see Trey get under the 25, 28 points in that range that that he's projected to get with that. And that does just stifle this team, right? He's got 17 and a half points a game in his last two, shooting, shooting 30% from the field five turnovers a game uh like i said very good defensive matchup for the bulls here but um just as important they are eight and four now since levine went out they were eight and three before that Cavs loss um and they are 10 and two against the spread in that time as well so basically a pick them you know you're just taking the bulls to win at home a fully healthy bulls team that that shouldn't be missing anybody other than levine which is good for them apparently um, they've gone up to 12th offensive rating since that time. They were 26th in the league when Levine was in. Uh, everything just skyrockets up. Their defensive rating also much better. 7th in the league over those last 12 games versus 22nd in the league previous to that on the season. So the uh, last thing I would just say that I love is the rebound percentage and the assist percentage for this team. Just saying that this team is 17th in the league in, in assist percentage over the last like three, two, three weeks is a big deal. The 17th doesn't sound very good, but it's much better than dead last, which is what they were and what they continued to be over the course of the last three years was bottom five, bottom three, in terms of how often they were assisting on their field goals that they made. Just not the case anymore. Um, Patrick Williams, not as big of a liability right now because he's actually not getting quite as many minutes. And he's a huge reason, in my opinion, that they were so bad at, at rebounding and especially defensive rebounding because their power forward is standing outside the three-point line the whole game. Um, and that's been a little bit more of, uh, of them getting other guys in as well to, to get into the paint and bang down low. We've seen a bit more Drummond come in as well, which really helps that rebound percentage and should continue to lock up guys like Capella and Okongwu. So I'm, I'm, I'm riding with the, the Bulls, um, basically a pick them in this one at home. Yeah, I was kind of on the other side of this one when I first looked at it, because I think Jalen Johnson's coming back and I can't understate how important he was for the Hawks early in the season, and how bad they've been without him on both sides. But I I mean, we don't know what kind of minutes limit him. He'll be on. And then you see the line flip because Trey is legitimately questionable tonight. Um, right. Some, some places listed as out, maybe some places he has props up. Uh, but you do mention that they've limited Trey in recent meetings, the bulls. Um, and, but I, I mean, I just look at the Hawks dropping 124 in Houston and think like this team is, is, has too much offensive firepower, especially if they get Johnson back. Uh, for even this this Bulls defense to hold them down. Bulls are starting, you know, they had that initial kind of like new coach lift, if you will, a.k.a. Levine being out, new look. And now they're sort of kind of regressing back to the mean where they were. So I, I don't know. I'll have to see where Trey's at. I think if you buy, buy this now at a pick em, and then Trey Young sits, you, you'd feel pretty right. good for the Bulls because it's not a situation where Trey is hurting the Hawks on defense or anything. He's playing really good ball right now and and has been the most essential player for them. Of course. Yeah, of course. He'll continue to be. And, and I agree. That's a part of why I'm like, I'm happy to just bring it right now and not even put out that sort of disclaimer of like, wait to see what happens with Trey. Like I'm just hitting it now. If Trey does play, it's not like I'm going to buy more of it, but if Trey doesn't play and this doesn't move much further than like two and a half, three and a half in that range, still hit might hit the bulls again. So let's go ahead and get right into your first one. You stole Jabari Smith for me, which is fine because it just means we're in full agreement on it. (laughs) 
Yeah, because you got to take power forwards against the Indiana Pacers, especially when said power forward is coming off the best stretch of his career, his young career. I mean, it's 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 time to put Jabari in the conversation with the other guys in his draft class as as just a really good prospect who you know we didn't see much from last year. Um, you know, I, I don't want to throw uh, the former coach under the bus there, Silas, but Udoka is is getting the most out of these young guys because he's making them get back on defense, try hard get boards and it's finally clicking for him in his last three. Now Jabari 27 points per game, nearly 11 rebounds on 60, 60, 90 shooting, getting the minutes as a result. And, you know, last March when he played Indy, he got 47 minutes, went for 30 and 12. So, I mean, the Pacers are, are just so bad against power forwards. It's, it's almost as if they, they play four on five and don't start a power forward. Um, sorry, sorry again to Obi Toppin, for throwing that shade, but in their last seven games, giving up 39 points per game to the position, uh, by far the most on the season to the position, 30 points per game, uh, in general in their last seven on this IST hangover, allowing 129 a game on league high, 54% field goal shooting, still playing pretty fast. 102.7 pace, their team rebounding rate 25th in the league at 48%. And Jabari has 18 potential rebounds in his last three, grabbing 11 of those, uh, you know, like his matchup more than Shangoon, who's gets Miles Turner and has more elevated props because we haven't seen as much consistency yet from Jabari Smith. But I will take the early part of the wave here and say he gets a fourth straight good game going. Yeah, uh, you're going to get zero arguments from me. Like I said, I love this pick. Um, and, and I would add, you know, the rebounds are there for him. He's running in transition, which is huge. Uh, he's getting a, a bunch of points in transition. He's now uh, getting out in transition with the second highest frequency on the team, which is huge um, for, for their not very you know vital transition game, but at least they have one when Jabari Smith is getting the ball and going or just running with his athleticism down the floor. Um, the potential rebounds are there because of that. The, the the points and the usage are there. So the minutes are there. I think Udoka has been waiting to play this dude uh, as much as many minutes as he could to just have a solid um, versatile dude in there to, to play that type of defense. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all over this with you with the points and rebounds. The rebounds at nine and a half, uh, a double double, which is close to even money as well. So there's a couple plays to play Jabari in a great matchup against the Pacers. I'm going to take an under in a not great matchup for Chet Holmgren against Minnesota. I, I don't want to be too chalky here, but it, not chalky, I guess, because it's an under, but too obvious. But 29 and a half PRA, that's what I'm going for the total package for the under for him. Um, he did have like uh, seven assists last game, but that was far and away the most of his career uh, against the Clips and Zubach. So I'm not going to go too far into that, but I am going to go into uh, how he's gone in nine under 30 PRA in nine of his last 10 games. He's done this the majority of the time in the season. He's not really a, a, prop, a prop line that he goes over very consistently. So I don't know why I would take him to go over it against the best defensive center in the league this year. Mitchell Robinson's out for the year, so I don't even think there's much of a conversation at this point. Um, and, and Rudy's just been that good, man. Like, who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting as the other best? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Bam's really good. Rudy's probably a little bit better this year. Not as important. They're both very, very good. Uh, they are limiting centers, though, to the fewest rebounds per game in terms of the T-Wolves. Um, and yeah, actually that is going to be really interesting. Who's first team all defensive center this year. That's actually a fun matchup. But the, the, the thing with Chet in this one is like uh, the rebound chances might be there for him. You know, I love to, to make sure that I'm getting volume. If I'm going to take out a guy to get rebounds, I want to know if he's even in position to get those rebounds. And against Rudy last time, he had 20 of them, which is second most for any center in the league this season against Minnie for how many chances he had. He just rebounded them at a 40% rate, which is not that much worse than what he's at when he plays teams that are good against centers in terms of the amount of rebounds he's actually pulling 
down with compared to the amount of chances he has. It's it's not as many as you might think. I do want Cat to be in there. Uh, they are a better rebounding team when Cat is on the floor, unsurprisingly, as their power forward alongside Rudy. Those guys have done much better on defense, especially this year, than they did in the short sample size playing together last year because of those Cat injuries. Um, but when they're both on the floor right now in their two-man lineup, their defensive rating is below 115, and their rebound percentage is up above 75%, which is very, very good, <laughs> which is what you want it to be at uh, on the season. So uh, that, that's going to limit his rebounds a ton. Like I said, uh, they are limiting centers to the fewest rebounds, 11th fewest points, 12th fewest assists, like whatever that you want to do with that's like four assists a game for the mm-hmm. for the opposing center. So I, I don't I do think this one will be might be a little bit faster pace than the last time these team played. They're in OKC. So I understand that, um, that there's that that fear that this isn't going to be like a 106-103 game or whatever it was last time in Minnesota because OKC plays faster at home. They score more points at home, but they also play just as good a defense at home. So I do think this is still going to be a bit of a battle, right? Like a slob, uh, let's call it a slobber knocker, not quite a slobber knocker, more of a mini melee, if you will, or, or a brouhaha, something to those effects, but not quite a bloodbath. It, it's, it's still going to be a, a little bit more free-flowing, but I do think down low, <laughs> Chet's going to be a little bit overmatched. Yeah, he's just given up too much poundage, right? I mean, against these true centers, like it's hard to imagine Chet going off to this degree, continuing to put up the numbers he's put against uh, in, in better matchups. Like Minnesota limits limits everything. Like they're going to limit your assists as a team, um, limit your rebounds as, as they're such a good rebounding team and definitely limit points at the center position because Rudy is that good. I mean, I, I just threw out Bam there because he's a more versatile defender and we didn't get to see a matchup on MB, but... Gobert after getting cooked by Embiid, I think Bam would have done a much better job on Christmas if yeah. we had gotten that matchup. I digress, though. I'm taking an under on another big here. Debonis Sabonis under 21.5 points or 29.5 points in assists if you want to take it. I mean, the assists are way down on the road for him. Three fewer assists per game this season. That's why I think about throwing it in there. I mean, it's a little scary because he's a double-digit assist guy. Uh, so play it either way you want. You get slightly better odds if you add the assists. But the way I'm looking at this, <clears throat> last time he played Portland, 27, 11, and 6 in 40 minutes because there was no De'Aaron Fox. And his usage rate is obviously going to be much different with De'Aaron Fox active. It's a much better matchup for Fox against this Portland uh, backcourt that now has Amperty Simons playing and is a, a real negative defensively. They've been playing Scoot a lot. His previous four, Sabonis, against DeAndre Ayton, let's look at. 19 points per game, 20% usage. His previous four against Portland. Portland's usually throwing out like Drew Eubanks or, you know, maybe Nurkic when they had early in the season. 16.5 points per game despite a higher usage rate. Uh, On the road, the Kings offense, not as good, we know. 15.6 points per game and and 5.5 assists for for, for Domo in his last five road games. He's gone under seven and a half assists in nine of his last 10 roadies. Blazers, I mean, they allow the ninth lowest assist to field goal ratio at home. Their spikes lately in terms of opponents' assists are mostly from playing Golden State's offense. It is interesting that they allow the most second most fast break points and points off turnovers. Going to let the Kings get out in transition here. And what does that mean again? More production for Fox and the guards. Less Domo. Uh, initiating things in the half court. I mean, because he he just can't can't necessarily. He's not going to be the one pushing the pace. So I think he goes under with the points. I think I'm a little more confident in that. But uh, if you add the assists here, the the numbers indicate that lately on the road and in this type of matchup, he's not going to get a ton of assists. Yeah, 
it, it would add up. I, I like the the under in this situation for I, just because it doesn't seem like a situation that you should take in. But when you dive into the numbers, you do realize like basically what I'm saying is I never want to trust Dominating to stop anybody. But like this is a pretty good matchup uh, or bad matchup, I should say, at least for the points, especially. I do like the under the points. I, I understand a bit of the, the fear of just 21 and a half for Domas, but I, I do think the points alone are just as good, uh, if not a slightly better yeah. bet than even adding the assists. And that's partly because I'm terrified of how I thought he was going to go under assists in the last game that they just played. And he had 12 or 13. So that was something a little bit different, but we'll see either way. Even if he got that in this game, I do think he's good for under 21 points. So uh, let me close it out and, and just go with, we were talking about Trey young under, I do still like Trey under at 28 and a half points. He's questionable and seems legitimately questionable to not play. If he does play, I am hitting that under Trey 28 and a half points. He doesn't do this on the road against Chicago and he doesn't do this in general against Caruso. He's one, he's gone under this number in his uh, four of his last five versus the bulls when they have Caruso in there. So this is just uh, too high for him. And, and again, I think it'll be a little bit lower scoring than the, the usual Atlanta 250 point baloney that we continue to see this season with the way that the Bulls are playing now uh, the third best defensive rating uh, on the season over the last 12 without um, Mr. Uh, Levine in there. So, yeah, well, anyway, move, moving on to this bet that I am going to make uh, no matter what, because Paolo is going to play against the Wizards. So I am going to take Paolo to go for 20 plus points, and I'm going to drop that spread down from seven and a half, and it might keep rising to about four and a half. I like to get it under five points rather than just take the money line so that I can still get a little bit of juice. It's minus 120 if you take minus four and a half on um, Orlando's alt line plus Paolo 20 plus points. And I wanted to get down to the 20 because Paolo doesn't get the 25 that much this season. It's, it's a little bit of a sophomore season-ish. Or is it his third season already now? It might be his third. Yeah, my bad. Third season for Paolo. Uh, his sophomore didn't. Is it his second? No, it's his second. He's his second. That's Rookie right. of the year last year. Dude, yeah. I can't even keep track of this time anymore. Rookie of the year last year because Chet was also hurt, by the way. That helped him out a little bit. Um, but And, and Jalen Williams came on strong. That's right. Either way, the sophomore slump for him is a little bit real. But he's still like overcoming it enough to still have his like 20 point games, especially the 20 point game. So if you look at the 20 point games in his last 10, he's gone over this uh, eight times. And then if you look at um, the, the, the um, 25 points, not quite as often, right? So I did want to drop it down a bit, but it's Washington against power forwards and they give up everything against power forwards. As we know, um, they are giving up the, are they up to the first most? They're up to third or third or fourth most points to the position. Um, they are still in the bottom three in terms of allowing rebounds to the position as well. So if you want to do some Palo uh, points and rebounds, I'm good with that. The rebound chances weren't quite there for him in the last couple games against Washington, mostly because um, they are playing entirely in transition. They were shooting a lot of threes as well. So there were longer rebounds uh, compared to where Palo seems to be playing on defense as his matchup is uh, whoever is, I guess, Kuz usually is who he was guarded last time, but there was a lot of Denny Advicha as well that he's guarding. So it's between the two of those guys, meaning that like it's uh, debatable how often he's going to be down low for the boards. But I do think if you wanted to take like 26 uh, points and rebounds over that, it's just, you got to take this alt stuff. So the 20 points for him is still very, uh, I'm very confident in that his usage rate is still up above 25%. Um, and in, against this team, you're going to be talking about who attacks the rim, right? Just who gets into the lane, who goes to the bucket um, and drives or cuts. And that's what he's doing on every play. It's either a drive or a cut for him. And that's just what Washington can't defend is, is those versatile power forwards. We talk about them, the Hawks, the Hornets, and uh, the Pacers. Those are my top four teams where I'm just like, all right, who's the athletic power forward? And who, or at least who plays like the athletic power forward that's crashing to the rim on offense consistently and trying to get those offensive rebounds as well. <clears throat> that's Paolo in this situation. So I'm going to take him for the 20 plus with the four and a half um, money, um, 
minus four and a half as well for Orlando. Yeah, I mean, when you see Washington, Charlotte, Indy, you basically blindly click on a wing, on a, on a skilled wing getting there over here. And the thing with the Magic is Paolo and Franz are, are soaking up so much of the usage that I would look at some SGPs with the both of them to get maybe both of them to get 20-plus. I think the last times they played the Wizards in back-to-back games, Franz might have been around 30, and Paolo uh, sprained his ankle in the first one, only had six. Right. Um, they didn't need him in down the stretch, and then he comes right back and gets 28 both of them should thrive in this matchup, and both of them are are looking at heavy usage when you have a guy like Jalen Suggs out there who's just concentrating on defense, and and uh, yeah, they should, they should be feeding these two big wings. I like it. Yeah, Franz, if you add Franz in there, you get that up to about plus 160 uh, on DraftKings. I think it actually might be a little bit better on FanDuel, and I would also check MGM and Caesars as far as that goes, but... That is all the time we have for you in this one. Continue to follow along, like, and subscribe to that page. Check out the best bets that we also have up for you. Look to keep this little sweep going. Six-game winning streak here for us. Haven't lost since uh, before Christmas Day. Uh, So we'll keep it going here for you guys. And until we do see you next, happy betting.